Hi, everybody. It's Matt from Discover College Soccer. I hope you're enjoying the podcast, whether that's on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I also wanted to let you know about the Discover College Soccer Study Table. This is our brand new online portal that is complete with a 14-part online course giving you all of the ins and outs of the college soccer recruiting process. There's also a wealth of resources such as checklists, templates, there's the spreadsheets that have every soccer program in the country along with their coaches, their contact information, their social media information, uh, some basic stats about the school and more. Plus there's an online community where you can ask your questions, share your wins, your losses, any questions that you may have around the college soccer recruiting process. It's all there at the Discover College Soccer study table that you can find at discovercollegesoccer.com slash study table and hopefully we will see you there. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Discover College Soccer. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Coach Nathan Kogut from Lamar. Welcome, Coach. Thank you for having me. Excited yeah. to be here. Yeah, thanks for being here. I've, uh, I think, I think I caught a, a Lamar game on ESPN Plus at some point uh, back in the fall. So, uh, so it'll be great to to talk to you and, and hear about the program. Um, you know, we're talking here kind of end of February-ish. I know uh, my daughter's got a big uh, ECNL uh, spring event in Lakewood Ranch coming up here in two weeks. So I'm assuming you're hot and heavy on the recruiting trail at all the various showcases. I'm sure you were in Dallas this past weekend. Uh, mm -hmm. Hopefully you didn't get too cold and wet. <laughs> <laughs> not wet it was it was definitely it was just cold. cold okay it was very cold well it, it was pouring down here in florida so um so just give me an idea of your calendar i mean i'm assuming like is your class of 24s completely done and you're on to 25s and, and are you looking at 26s kind of what what's your typical timeline uh for a recruiting class for lamar we're in a really unique spot because um most of the power fives get their stuff done by middle of September. It feels like, you know, they're spending a bunch of the fall really, really, really far in advance. And our sweet spot is identifying as many kids as we can early that are really good fits for us, but also those kids that are waiting for that power five offer that, that doesn't hit, unfortunately, um, we're that school that kind of comes in behind. Um, and so for us right now, we also, um, we, we heavily, heavily, heavily utilize the junior college ranks and the transfer portal. So class of 24, it really doesn't finish until the summer months, but I would say there's really only a spot or two left for, for freshmen. And we're on the, we're about to start making, uh, I don't want to say mass offers. Like it's a bad thing. We've identified a really good set of 25s that we feel comfortable, ready to visit get into our culture and, um, make serious offers to. Um, I try not to pull the trigger immediately until we've done some serious research. We've seen them a handful of times. And then with 26s, we've identified a few, but it's kind of like we're, we're really not. We, we've got some kids that have reached out to us and they know that we can't contact. So we've been able to see them and put eyes on them, but we're really not moving in that direction until, you know, the summer. I think is is when we feel pretty comfortable with it, which is obviously when everybody pivots that direction. But um, we're not working back channels or anything like that with twenty sixes. We're we're we need to finish twenty four. Make sure that when we do that, we now know exactly what we want in twenty five, 
Um, and we're, I guess you'd call it deliberate. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Well, you, you mentioned Juco and transfer portal. It seems like there's a also a pivot these days to being more internationally focused uh, or, or, or uh, you know, I, it's probably more heavy in the men's than the women's side, but the women's side seems like it's picking up and it looks like you guys got a good handful of international players. So how important is, is that type of recruiting and and when do those kind of come along and what's that look like? Uh, Those are always getting, getting sent to us. And I think it's just a balance point because it's how do you want to invest what scholarship aid you do have and how do you want that to look? Um, I, I think it's a privilege to be a very high aid person right off the bat. Um, and so we have to make sure we balance, we balance that. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I, I struggle identifying international players and that is just because it's not my forte. I, I grew up obviously in Texas, but I, I, I can recognize really good club kids and I, it's probably a blind spot for me internationally. So I have a really good staff that um, is able to identify work with the handlers and the agencies to figure out exactly what fits for us. Um, It's something that I'm working to improve on, but in my mind, our good internationals that we brought in since I've been here have been junior college and transfers. Makes sense. That makes sense. Um, well, what about, you, you mentioned the 25s that you have right now. You've seen them a handful of times. I'm guessing that's both at, at events and and maybe ID camps. How important are ID camps, whether they're your own or your, does your staff work others? What, how does that fit in? We've been, we're very lucky that um, Challenge in Houston and Sting in Dallas and Sting in Austin and Solar and FC Dallas and Dallas Texans, all those guys run incredible club camps every summer, every December, every January. And we're able to get somebody up there every single time. And it allows us to kind of cultivate uh, a larger list and we can, you know, stack it on top of an ECNL event or a GA event or things like that. But we've been very fortunate that, you know, Albion was in December. They moved theirs uh, from last month to December. Um Lone Star, the same thing. It just allows us to help grow the Lamar brand. Um, we've been very good the last couple of years. We've been very intentional about trying to raise our, you know, our, uh, the name within the state of Texas. Cause you know, we're in Southeast Texas. We are very, we're almost in Louisiana and we're in a mate. We're in a relatively big city. We're, we're far away from everybody though. Um, Al, we're outside of Houston. So even to get those kids, you got to ask them to get in a car. So we have found that we can be successful going somewhere else. And honestly, we don't have to go to another school's ID camp unless we get invited. We can just kind of piggyback on the big clubs. And that has allowed us to, when we run a couple ID camps, to get good numbers and they are intentional numbers. We're not just blasting it out. Um to everybody so that we're wasting somebody's time and money. That's uh that's somebody's best commodity is their time and their money. And I I don't like I don't like we don't need an ID camp of 80 kids. So we need to make sure we get the 30 or 40 at most, we get those kids and we are able to talk to them, know their names. We we knew them when they got here. There's only a handful of 
we've never seen this player before. And I think that's really important for me. Yeah, got it. Well, whether it's at a camp or an event or whatever, kind of what makes up that hierarchy of things that you're looking for in a player that says, okay, this is, this is one we want here at Lamar. You know, sometimes they just have that look, you know, you're, you leave Texas A&M and these players all look, um, they look like that, that Texas A&M athlete. And we've had to recalibrate a little bit. Um, but that that look goes, you know, that first impression when you walk on that field with your friends and stuff like that, that's that's a really big deal to me. Obviously, I don't make a decision off of that. But what do you look like when you walk out there or as does it look like it's something you take serious? Because, you know, it sounds it sounds crazy, but this is my livelihood. You know, this is how we put uh, we we keep our, our staff employed and our, take care of our family. So we want you to take it as serious as we do. But. The decision-making process is really important. What I call them superpowers. What what what's going to be your superpower? So some kids can can hit the heck out of a ball with both feet, and that's an incredible superpower. And they may not be the most dynamic. So are they smart? So that they can find the space so they can hit it with both feet. You know, it's little intangibles like that. What's your decision-making? What's your pace like? If you can get in behind, are you like a one-trick pony and it's a straight line? Um, can you hit it with both feet? If you're a defender, what does tackling look like? But, um, we're really big on when you win it, can we go somewhere? So can you complete that first pass? We took a couple kids in both of our recruiting classes that, um, their superpowers are straight up. They tackle and they go somewhere and we can work and develop a lot of those other things. So there's a pretty wide list just watching before we really get to know anybody. Okay. Makes sense. Well, let, let's shift gears a little bit. Talk more about the school. You, you know, you mentioned uh, Southeast Texas, but I'm sure there's some folks not, not familiar, right. With, with Lamar. So you've been there a couple of years now. What, what are some of the things that you find are just awesome about the school? Maybe some things we don't even know just by going through the website. So Lamar is about 50 miles East of Houston, straight along I-10 and I-10 runs I mean, it, it runs before you get to Houston, but I-10 for us runs from Houston to uh, Florida. And so you're going right across the Gulf Coast. And a lot of people don't realize that, that we are situated, uh, I-10 splits Beaumont in half. And so Beaumont is built up around a major interstate. And so it's not a small, it's not a small town. It's not a major city, but it is a... 200, 300, 400,000, depending on how far out you go, uh, population center. So you do have an interstate system that runs through. You do have major highways that come off of it. You have, um, you know, a half dozen major high schools out here. Um, so there is a, it is a big area that may not be the quintessential college town until you get onto campus. But it's also not going to be like you're in downtown Houston, where it's 13 million people and you just you're in traffic all the time. And that's been really beneficial to us of like, you just got to pop in a car and get here. Um, and our big thing has been there are a lot of Houston and Austin and San Antonio kids that get on I-10 and they leave Texas. And so we've made it a point to stop them from doing that. So we are the last major city before you get out. And that's a big deal. You know, Beaumont is is pretty special in that way. You are almost in Cajun country. You know, there's an alligator farm 
you know, 10 miles west of here. Um, but you're almost in the swamps. You know, there's there's great seafood. Um, I, I eat a little, a little bit too much, but we're almost in Louisiana. So you get a little bit of that culture too. So Mardi Gras was a big deal a couple of weeks ago. Um, not as big as like a new Orleans and a mobile, but Mardi Gras is important, um, because that culture is still here. Um, but you're still, we tell our kids all the time, you are 45 to 50 minutes from anything you need to go do in Houston. So our kids will just pop over, like it's a quick commute and come back. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that people just don't realize. And then and I know I'm rambling, but for Lamar in general, what I did not realize growing up in this state was how good the engineering school is, how good the teaching department is, how good education, um, uh, nursing is and how good computer science is. And those are like our four really big sweet spots that not a lot of people realize we're a very good engineering school. It's the number one, it's the highest salary out of graduation in the state of Texas. Wow. Um, nursing has a 98, almost 99% um, uh, standardized testing uh, to be certified as a nurse right off the bat. We are one of the top ed elementary education schools in the country, especially in the state for, you know, I think that teaching is a, it is a, is a, a very, it's an important, I'm trying to think of the right word here. It's an incredible job. It's a noble it's, profession. It is, it is, but it is uh, underappreciated. Sorry, underappreciated yes, yes. what I'm thinking for. And right now there's too many of them, too many teachers leaving. And Lamar has a very good uh, teacher education um, department. And now those are all things that I did not know when I got here and it's been obviously we have kinesiology and psychology and all the sciences and stuff but those were things that have set us apart um with our peers of these are these majors are not only here but we are very 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 highly ranked in them no that's great well you you mentioned academics and obviously it's a student athlete experience right that you're there for for your time so how do your student athletes specifically really balance the rigors of those academic programs you mentioned and their sports commitments and kind of what support systems does the school have to make sure that the kids are successful? Full disclosure, we, we got, we were so bad our first year. We got, I got hired in April and I had one week of, of spring training with everybody. And then we had 14 kids on the roster and then I was able to get the the staff hired and we basically spent like a six week sprint in the summer to bring people in. So the first time you get all of these kids together is August 1st. And for our first year, our first game was three days after everybody else. So everybody else has been in preseason for three days and we're not even allowed to have meetings until two days after that. Then we get to meet everybody and we are trying to run two tracks at the same time of, we have a good roster, we need to win. We need to develop and get these standards taken care of. And sometimes they ran parallel and there are other times it ran perpendicular. And it was like drinking water through a fire hose for a very long time. And we, as a program, were not good enough at a few things. We were very good on the soccer field. We were at a 3-1 GPA for the fall semester. And so... I, we tried to split it between all of the staff and I just took it over. So we have multiple academic advisors 
there is like a three-step process before you get registered. You have your own advisor, you have the athletic advisor, and then you have our uh, academic success coordinator. All of those have to be on the same page for everything. And so we got within our program, those pieces aligned because those were tools that we didn't utilize the right way. So we have those. We have uh, the Teamworks app, which is something that I was able to utilize at a couple other stops that for me organizes my entire day. And once our kids got used to utilizing that, they now can input study hall into their calendar. I can see their calendar. Now everybody's on the same page. Um, we have multiple study hall rooms within athletic facilities. Um, there's one in our main athletic facility. There's one in our secondary athletic facility that's on the main part of campus. We turned our locker room, there's desks in our locker room. We've turned our extra office space into study hall areas. So if people just need to get away, because I was never someone who could study in my room, we give them, you give them some space there. Some people like to utilize the locker room. We made that go hand in hand with, if you're going to study in there, there's a pretty good chance when you're done, you'll put your boots on and go get some extra work. Um, we got it bumped up to a three, six within a semester. And so now we've started to bring in the research center, um, the tutoring service in the library, the reading and writing center that's in a couple buildings. Um, and now we're able to fully uh, ingrain that into our group. And then the final piece is because we mix freshmen and transfers in, we have a group that may, has, has never been on a college campus before. We have a group that's been on a college campus before, but not Lamar. Um, our administration has a four-week course that's like onboarding where every couple of days there's a, another guest speaker that shows you this is what you need at Lamar. This is how you utilize it. By the time they get to the end of the summer before preseason, our kids know everybody um, that is going to impact their schooling and they're ready to roll. And so we were able to get that. We, we did not do well last fall. Fall of 23, we we're at a three, six again. So I think we figured it out of exactly what works for us and it's helped tremendously. Yeah, it sounds like it. Well, it sounds like, you know, students are obviously busy with, with studying everything. Can you, let's rewind maybe to October. You're in the heart of the conference season. Walk me through what's a typical week look like for a player in terms of, you know, when is training, when are classes, meals, what your game cadence and travel situation look like? What, what, what can one player expect as they come in? So uh, typically in the Southland, we're Friday, Sunday games. We've had discussions about going Thursday, Sunday, or rotating two games, going 2-1-2-1-2-1 within the game rhythm. And that, and the reason I would love to do that is I can tailor my weeks to make sure that training is fully development versus we're just flying by the seat of our pants and making sure we're prepared for the very next game. Um, Monday is going to always be an off day if we have a Sunday game. If we play Friday or Saturday, Monday is probably a, a, a training day. Uh, Tuesday is our Tuesday morning is our lift. It's a maintenance lift. It's going to be seven or eight o'clock in the morning, making sure that we're just staying healthy. Uh, we don't lose some of the gains that we made over the spring and summer. It's not heavy strength focused. It's a lot of power and a lot of injury prevention. We train at, at four o'clock. Uh, if we're, if that's the way, if our week is Friday, Sunday, then we train Tuesday through Thursday at four. Um, Tuesday is going to be a little bit lighter technical day. Keep one eye on the previous weekend and maybe one eye on what's coming. 
Wednesday is going to be our competitive day. It's the day that our kids get really amped up for because it's, it's two days before match day. Um, it's going to be about 45 minutes geared towards what we need to know and 45 minutes to an hour of competitive. And so it's always to goal. We usually let them draft their own teams and do some form of small sided stuff. And then we chart everything goals, assists, shots, saves, wins. Um, there's a little bit of fitness component to it. It gets really, really competitive. Um, and we just make sure we walk them up to that line, but we don't let them cross that line. Um, and then Thursday is, is our scout day. Thursday's our walkthrough day. We do a lot of 10 V eight on Thursday with the focus on the eight. Um, we don't give up a ton of goals from the run of play. So we make sure that we take care of, of those little details while we're numbers down. And, uh, Every once in a while, we will leave on a, a Thursday afternoon or we'll train Thursday morning and leave Thursday at lunch. Um, and then Friday's a game day. Game day is going to be a relatively early wake up, allow you to get a little nap in, allow you to get some study hall. Um, since we'll probably play on Friday night, we have a midday shakeout. Um, depends on where we are. We'll walk around. We'll get them outside a little bit. And then we kind of shut them down for the afternoon. Um, and then Saturday, if it's a travel day, it's a travel day. Um, it's a scout day. And then Sunday we've played half our games at one and then half our games in the evening. So it kind of just depends, but, um, everything we do is making sure that we are peaking at the end of the week. And that by the time we get to November, we have a full roster. So we've done a very good job our two years of that. Yeah, I mean, you congrats on on all your success this past fall, making it to the tournament. That's awesome, winning your conference. Um, let's talk a little bit more about about that soccer side, right? Uh, well, we talked about recruiting and and whatnot earlier, but is there a roster size that you find is ideal that you're you're trying to get to around each year? We don't we don't have a requirement. We're one of the few schools that don't, we don't have a head and beds requirement, which is incredibly nice. As someone who's worked at schools that had that, it's uh, I I hate it. Um, so I'm really glad that we don't, um, our sweet spot's been like 28 to 32, um, any less. And you always have that one week of sickness and one week of injuries and you can't go big or you're running into some issues there and any more than 32 for longer than a season is just brutal. So we were at 30 and 31 our two years and we've been able to absorb an injury or poor form or something like that. It's allowed us to have a, 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 if we do have a travel roster, we're not leaving half the group at home. So it's not a, a bunch of angry people. It's usually the people who understand and there have been the ones who were red shirting or we've talked to you numerous times. It's not a shock when we get to that point. Um, we've, We've had two relatively big freshman classes, and I don't think we're going to have that anymore, which kind of allows a better managing of that that overall roster number starting in this coming fall. Okay. Well, besides the roster of players, you've got a staff roster, right? So talk to me about your staff, uh, not only the on the team side, but are there other support staff within the athletic department that kind of help out with the team and what's everybody's role there? Mm -hmm. Um, we were, we had a four person staff the first two years. Our GA had a, had a baby. She graduated. We are hiring a, a third full-time assistant. 
Um, we just haven't done that piece yet, but she moved back to be closer to, to family. So um, we're back to a, a tripod right now. Um, I was able to hire two former head coaches. Uh, Kurt Albrecht was my boss at the Division Three level way back when, um, but he was a D3 head coach for almost a decade. Um, and he was a sitting head coach on the men's side when I hired him uh, two years ago. And then Colton Bryant is our recruiting coordinator. He started a junior college program in Tennessee, and then I was able to hire him from Jackson State. So actually both of them came from Jackson, Mississippi, and never met each other, um, <laughs> which was not planned. Um, and I think that we've got a pretty good balance that that third full-time assistant is going to be heavy analytics and heavy goalkeeping, most likely with obviously recruiting mixed in. Um, but it's a pretty good balance of, of new and old. Uh, Kurt is a little bit older than me. Um, he's, he sits next to me on the sideline. Uh, he's the guy that has seen, I feel like he's seen almost everything. So I really valued the head coaching piece because I knew I was going to be learning, even though I'm moving 18 inches over, there's still a ton of decisions that now you make. So I've coached a ton of club games and I never get nervous with having to coach a game. It is, there's this one decision that you've got to make in every single game when lead up to every single game and everybody turns and looks at you and having someone who has done it for the past decade, just be over it. it, it sometimes it's just to crack a joke because we've known each other for a while, but that feedback has been massive for me. Um, and then Colton was the same way as someone who built a program as young as it, when he did as young as he did, um, he got a different side of it and different experience. And that's been really important as I've been learning. Um, but those two, we split training, we split recruiting duties, we split, um, we, we try to make it as even as possible. Um, they take a ton off of my plates. I, they force me to learn how to delegate a little bit because I'm, st I still have the assistant mentality of it has to get done. So someone's got to do it and I can do it. Um, but we, we mix and match what we're really good at, um, and what, what someone else might struggle with, but that is just the coaching staff. We have an athletic trainer. We are hiring a, a another athletic trainer at some point this summer. Um, so we will have a graduate assistant and a full-time, which is which is massive to me. Um, we've been healthy the last couple of seasons and that's a distinct advantage for why we're so good. Um, we have a full-time strength coach that we empowered when he was a GA. He loves us and he's full-time now. And so we get him, we were having programs within the university ask us how we got our guy to do so much with us. How come, how did Miles come to everything how did we get miles to to be around and well we asked him and we told him and we've worked around him and so we have that that piece and then we have a full-time nutritionist we have obviously all of our academic advisors um that work and put hands on but in terms of this is exactly who puts who touches our our group it's it's that so our staff meetings are five or six people deep so um everybody's got uh, important piece with that great well now now i gotta make you do some some self-reflection here though so now you got to tell me talk about you your coaching style 
um, you know, the, the culture of the team you're trying to implement. What what's it like to have to have you as the head gaffer? Uh, it was really tough moving that one chair over from being an assistant for so long because your relationship with the players changes, whether you want to admit it or not. It always does. You now become the guy that controls playing time. And that was a huge adjustment for me because I love the recruiting process. I love this age group. Uh, college, I grew up so much during this 18 to 24 that I love this time frame. And so um, I that was where I really struggled. And I've had to change the way that I connect to where um, I've, I've really leaned into the transformational piece to try to remove that transactional piece of it, where people think if they come in and talk to me, then that's going to lead to something. And it's more along the lines of, we just need to have that relationship to where you can get some tough love or you can get loved up on. Um, and either way, it's going to work and it's not going to change our relationship. Um and that's been really important to me. I don't want to get to the end of the semester and we have a meeting and I'm asking you about your grades and your life and your family. Um, I try to get that piece out pretty consistently. There are times where it's a blind spot and I we get wrapped up in everything, but that happens everywhere. Um, but being very intentional about that is important. Um, the other side that I think that I try to bring, and it's one of our core values, is gratitude. Um, you're not going to find very many head coaches that are more grateful to be where they are and working with who they work for and work with and who they get to coach than I feel like I am. Um, I have a, and I don't like to say I a lot when I talk about Lamar, we have a very good staff. I just get to be the guy that's the steward of the program and I get to be in charge of it. Um, but everybody has a good relationship. We're friends and that, I think that filters down to our, our players. So training is fun. We obviously have a really high standard and I am very demanding, but I'm not demeaning. Um, you are going to know where you stand, but if you don't do something right, it's not going to be the end of the world. Like we try to make sure that um, you already carry a ton of weight as a college kid and you feel like you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders. We, my job is to remove that and soccer is the fun part. So sometimes it works and they listen and other times it doesn't. But um, honestly, I try to make it so everybody knows that I have the best job in the world. I get paid to coach a sport with kids that are going through a massive change in their life that they don't realize it for another decade. And it's the best time of their life. And it's my job to make sure that they appreciate that. So in terms of what we do, Training tries to be, I try to make it fun. We try to have a direction on everything. We try to have a scoreboard. Um, I want there to be a winner and a loser. I want them to be able to reflect afterwards on what their training was like without being so self-critical that they collapse on themselves. Um, but, you know, we, uh, we are very good. And so the standard gets higher and higher every year. And, um, that is a new challenge that we get of how do you do it again? You've already done it twice. Now you got to do it again and still make sure these kids understand that this is a totally new team every year. They're not, they're not the 22 and 23 team. So the pressure isn't there. And that's, you know, that's kind of my job. Yeah, for sure. Well, Hey, you've been generous with your time. Really appreciate all this insight. 
I do have one last question for you. Uh, and that's if you had one piece of advice or, or any nugget of information for any families going through this college recruiting process, what would you want them to know? I want them to know that it is on your timeline. Deadlines, um, deadlines spur action, which is why a lot of schools give them when they finally make an offer. You will know if it's where you're supposed to be. Um, you're looking for, don't chase the logo, don't chase the division. All of that stuff doesn't matter. It is all about fit. We tell kids we don't have we have a we have a we have a nice facility. It is not LED lights and silver lockers and all this stuff. A nice locker room is not going to get you up at it for 8 a.m. class or a 6 a.m. workout. It's going to be that you love what you're doing and it's going to be you love who you're doing it with. And so you're going to when you get to those visits and you start to go through that process, if you can do that and you can really sit down and self-reflect. Um, the deadlines won't matter. You're going to know when you know, um, and you can have a great experience at the JUCO level and parlay that into division one, two, three, or NAIA. You can start at one, you can, any of those, it does not matter. Um, but my thing is the 8am class, you're not getting up because your locker room is the coolest thing you've ever seen. You've got recliners in the locker room. You're getting up because you love where you are and you love what you're doing it with. And if you find that school, latch onto that thing fast. Love it. Well, coach, really appreciate your time. Congrats again on, on all your success. And uh, hopefully you'll continue to parlay that uh, in the next season. And uh, if you do get down to any recruiting events down here and then Bradenton Lakewood Ranch, give me a shout. We'll get together. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you for the time. Thank you.